This episode is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, experienced wealth planners and investment managers who offer unwavering support in challenging times. Visit candowealth.com for more information. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Max Jeffrey and I'm joined by Katie Bulls and James Forsyth. There are reports today that the government is looking to close a £50 billion fiscal black hole. That will be £40 million plus, hopefully a £10 billion surplus. James, you write about the government's approach to economics in your Times column today. Can you tell us what this says? So I, I think the point here is, is important, which is normally chancellors try and construct. They don't try and just meet the target so that they can say that they've got debt falling as a percentage of GDP by the end of the forecast period. They try and say to the markets, we have some wiggle room, some headroom, because they, they know that there, there is an unpleasant tendency for unexpected events to come along and derail things. And so if you're, if you're hitting the target exactly, there's a very large chance that you miss. And I think especially given what happened with the mini budget, there is a kind of premium on demonstrating credibility here. I think it is a reminder that even though the markets appear to have calmed and there, there is this what Simon French calls this dullness dividend coming in, there's still the decisions that the government is facing are deeply unpalatable. And I think at the moment, there is an element to which the government is saying we're going to take difficult decisions. And everyone says, oh, how refreshing a government that says it's going to take difficult decisions. The difficulty is always when you actually take the difficult decisions, people are like, well, I didn't mean difficult decisions like that. And so I think that that is the challenge. They're still, I mean, even though they push this back into November, they're still having to do this on a remarkably tight timetable and turnaround. So I think that we can wait to see how they manage to achieve this. And I think we'll also learn a lot about this government from what it chooses to say are the things that it is going to prioritise and protect from the difficult decisions, in inverted commas, that are coming down the track. Katie, do we have any indication at all about what the government will be trying to prioritise and protect so we, we don't know the specifics, it, just to answer your question very simply, but you still listen to this podcast. Ultimately, I think if you look back, so earlier this week, there was a story by Bloomberg saying the fiscal black hole was around 35 billion. And actually, what the government is looking to fill is more like 50 billion, mm. which is partly because of reduced growth. But I, I think there was some concern that almost painted a too rosy a picture. So people think, oh, it's all fine, this, you know, this dullness dividend, and actually... There's still lots of big problems and tricky decisions coming up the track. I think it's also laying the groundwork for a combination of spending cuts and tax rises. I think while we don't know where exactly this is all going to fall, we expect it to be a combination of both. Also, some talk that Rishi Sunak could look to expand the windfall tax. Can you further than that? If you remember that Liz Truss, of course, was very opposed to the windfall tax during the Tory leadership campaign, then when she first joined, and then there was some talk of doing this uh, you know, with, with renewables. Rishi Sunak, back when he was Chancellor, was, you know, it was he and his team who argued for the windfall tax in the first place. I mean, it was Labour's idea to begin with, if, if we go back enough in time. Of all the measures, you know, in terms of, it's a popular measure. If you have all these companies going out saying we have record profits, they are asking in a way for, to be taxed. And today we have more news about huge profits from these companies. So I, I think there'll be a mix of things when it comes to an event. But we do have a Prime Minister who is less ideologically driven than the one who came before. And I think that means there, there are more options on the table. So, 
yes, we know that they're looking for efficiency savings in various departments. I think there's a question as to what is ring-fenced. We know that Rishi Sunak is probably of all the members of the cabinet back when he was chancellor, and perhaps you would expect this from the the chancellor, which was the role at the time, the one who has spoken most openly about the fact you can't just keep pouring money into the NHS. You have to look for ways to reform it, ways for it to be used better. I still think it would be a pretty bold move for any prime minister, Tory or Labour, to to look at you know cutting the NHS budget so there is some view that could be erring fence but Richard has always been very clear about the need for change on that and then in terms of tax rises I think it would be interesting to see do you have a situation where a national insurance hike is that going to stay obviously Liz Truss reversed the national yeah. insurance hike and that was a big part of the leadership contest is the view now going to be that that has played out and you can't reverse that again in the, in this chapter or is it still Rishi Sunak's view which is why he argued for that when it came to social care that that is the the best tax to raise because then you could be looking at something there so I think it'll be a, a mix of measures and in a way we're in a little bit of a holding pattern and often when uh, these ideas are being discussed there'll be a bit of pitch rolling or kite flying even to throw them out and, and see what the reaction is when it comes to this I think what is interesting about the cabinet is of course you have Ben Wallace, Defence Secretary, kept his position. Now, I think defence spending is not going to rise. I think there's a strong suggestion it's not going to rise in the way that some want it to in terms of the, the short term. Mm. And Rishi Sunak never signed up to the 3%. But I think it's clearly something the party really wants. But I, I don't think in the in terms of the next few years, it will rise as high as people like Ben Wallace want if, if the mood music at present is anything to go by. And Katie, this morning we were lucky enough to get a new slick video from Number 10 surmising... Rishi Sunak's first week in office. Can you tell us about it? Yes, and I think we can also hear the clip because the video, and we will get into the detail, also includes um, footage of Joe Biden's first call of Rishi Sunak. And the upshot is that the US president now knows how to say his name, which I think you can listen to here. Day in and day out to deliver for you. Hello, Joe Biden here. Mr. President, it's Rishi Sunak. How are you? Oh, Rishi, how are you? Congratulations, Mr. Prime Minister. Um, I think it's interesting in the sense, one of the things Rishi Sunak has been criticised for in the past, particularly by his own Tory colleagues, is the fact he is too slick. So if you remember that uh, the Rishi Sunak signature, which would be on lots of measures, I think Tory MPs, I think it was Johnny Mercer who ranted in a WhatsApp group you know, back in the day, basically saying, Johnny Mercer is now a minister, basically saying, you know, this, this is should be conservative branded. It's not just about the Chancellor's, you know, brand here. And then it was quite striking, obviously, the contest over the summer, one of the things he was criticised for by his colleagues was too much personal brand, too polished, not enough focus on actually some of the more basic things. And then over the weekend, when it was obviously this expedited, very fast leadership contest, he just put out somebody, um, a letter in a, which had, you know, why he was running. And it was very bland font, had, you know, nothing exciting about it and no signature. And now he's in number 10. I think we are being to see the work that it, actually the slickness is coming back. And I think what Rishi Sunak is obviously by historical standards, a very young prime minister. Mm. His team, he's got Cass Horowitz, who is the person who's credited a lot for, you know, lots of these banners and the social media campaign to begin with in Downing Street with him. And therefore, I think you are going to have a number 10 operation, which are quite keen to use social media in a way which is probably more modern and experimental than perhaps the predecessors. And you can imagine some of the stuff would be criticised, but I think it's going to be a feature of his premiership.
And James, finally, the bird is freed, Elon Musk tweeted this morning, referencing the fact that he's now completed his purchase of Twitter. Some of the first things he did were firing Twitter's CEO and other executives in the company. How's the news being greeted in Westminster? What do you think about it? So, I mean, there's a kind of fascinating question here, which is, I had for a few months that like, Elon Musk was slightly regretting mm. having bid for Twitter, and, and, and almost as if he was kind of trying to find a way to, to avoid following through on, on that bid. There, I think there are, I mean, the, the most obvious political questions probably apply more to the US than here. You know, for example, is Donald Trump going to be reinstated to the platform? What effect would that have on, on, on politics in the US? Here, I think there's an interesting question, which is what happens to the online safety bill and the whole concept of legal but harmful? I think if you think back to a leadership campaign in the summer, Rishi Sunak, when he was talking about a spectator event, said that you know he would want some time to make sure that legal but harmful wasn't going to do the bad things that that, that, that that some people and our editor has written very eloquently on this point, you know, are worried it will do and how to strike a balance. Obviously, I don't think that Elon Musk's approach to Twitter is going to be a kind of, I'm taking down things that are legal but harmful. I think it's going to be much more, he appears to apply a doctrine much more closer to, if it's not illegal, it's fine kind of attitude you know, he said he's bought twitter be modest in these things uh, he said he's bought twitter to save civilization or something like that <laughs> I, I so i think i think that, you know, but i think it's also another fascinating question which is one of the things that is becoming quite clear is these people who made huge amounts of money these tech billionaires they want to kind of shape and reorder the world around them you see this with peter Thiel's political donations in the states you see this with bill gates's development programs and I think there is a, there is a really interesting question now which is you know how do we adjust to the fact that you have these remarkably wealthy people who, who who appear to want to have the kind of level of influence that was once had by a JP Morgan or a Rockefeller or an Andrew Carnegie. And do you think the government will be slightly wary perhaps of pushing forward with the online safety bill in such a public way as they were doing previously now that Elon Musk the head of Twitter is known for being I think, there's, I think there is a w- awareness that the online safety bill, you know, the problem with the online safety bill is that there are sensible elements in that and important elements in there in terms of protecting under 16s and from, from stuff online. Where I think it gets more tricky is legal but harmful, which I think is a very, very difficult line to police. I think we know that this is going to have trouble in the House of Lords. You know, you've got David Frost and people like that saying, well, hang on a second, this is a very bad idea. I think the bill will have trouble in the Lords. And I think in some ways the simplest thing to do is just to drop the whole legal but harmful section of the bill and proceed with the rest of it. Thank you, James. Thank you, Katie. And thank you for listening. <laughs>